Hello, and welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Lucas Stock. And I'm Jens Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thanks for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Welcome back. Uh, last week, we we opened up with a little conversation on how good it is to be back to our old routine of sitting down on a Sunday afternoon, not rushed on a lunch break to record an episode. And, uh, you know, this week we're going to open up with a brief conversation on how it's good to be back to our old, old routine of recording more than one episode at a time <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon. I don't remember the last we time are, we did uh, that. It's been a minute. I can't even, I can't even, I, I, like literally I have no idea, like, I can't even October, begin to remember. Probably October when we were, probably. I mean, back when we were still yeah. doing two episodes a month, or two episodes a week and we were in the middle of heresy month, we probably did two episodes on a Sunday or something and it's probably been since then. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is fun. Getting to uh, getting to spend some time recording, doing a little planning. We got some couple of milestones coming up in February, which is uh, didn't re- didn't really realize it. Kind of snuck up on us, I feel like. But so we, you know, got did do a couple of lo- a long recording sesh, some a little bit of planning. It's it's it feels like the good old days. The good old days. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, you know, early COVID when we, no one was doing anything and we were all at home anyway, and and that's when we really started doing this yeah and now here we are still dealing with covid but not in a different way <laughs> in the same way i guess nah. um but anyway yeah so today uh we are doing a little bit of a, of a, a more sort of uh lighter kind of list you know type episode that we do periodically um not not so much a list like a top five or a top ten this or that or whatever but but we we wanted to do something um we, we this is the kind of thing that I feel like it's 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 definitely come up sort of here and there before, but but I think this is an idea for a dedicated episode that we've had for a while that we haven't done, and we wanted to kind of talk about like neither so you know disclaimers out of the way first. Obviously, neither of us are you know patristic scholars or experts in uh, you know any academic field of such and such church father or such and such theologian or whatever but we are two people who are um very invested and interested in thinking about and reading about and discussing theology and the christian life as as you all know if, if you're listening to this and uh we really are specifically interested in doing that in a in a way that gives a very high uh, place, you could say, to the voice of the people that we refer to as the church fathers, mm. um, the patristic era of the church, the, the you know, those, those writers from the early church period who really helped lay the foundation for um, the way that people talk about theology in an orthodox way, and then also just sort of the, the, as well as the positions and the doctrines uh, being being worked out and explained and, and whatnot. And, you know, this obviously is 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 more of this 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 uh, collection of, you know, brief collection of sort of church fathers, you know, so you want to get started reading the fathers, you know, like, I feel like we've talked about this 
in passing before, but we kind of wanted to do a little more like if someone in our church or a, f- a friend or a family member were, were coming to us and we're like, hey, I'm really, you know, I'm really interested in reading um, the church fathers or a church father, or I'm really interested in uh, reading more about and learning more about uh, early church theology, you know, patristic writings, like where do I start? Like this, that's sort of the way I approach this list. And I think you did as well, just sort of like from the perspective of not, not experts, but people who, who are interested and passionate, who have firsthand experience sort of, you know, at one point, not knowing anything about the church fathers or who the church fathers were. And then, you know, by reading things coming to a point where we now have, you know, uh, like I said, a high view of their of their writings and where they belong in church thought and the significance of them in church history and some firsthand experience with with that process of of actually, you know, making those first steps to sort of dip our toes into the patristic waters, so to speak. So that's sort of just kind of where we're going to kind of babble a little bit for for you know the next 20 25 minutes or so on you know like like you know where if someone came to you you know where and maybe you're that person uh or maybe you're not and this would be helpful for for uh giving some advice or some pointers to someone who comes to you you know where do we start where where you know maybe maybe this is something you are interested in or something that you are overwhelmed by but i don't think you need to be and i think that this this sort of conversation will help maybe like show that that it's not quite as overwhelming as as it maybe used to be before an abundance of readable modern translations in our mother tongue came out. But mm. regardless, <laughs> I'll kick it to you first. Like I don't know if we want to alternate or if we kind of just want to chat. But like if I came to you and said, "Where do I start reading the Church Fathers or reading about patristic theology?" Where where would you? How would you start that conversation? Yeah. Well, I first want to say I, I like that you started by by mentioning the fact that we're not experts, we're not scholars, we're we're not people who do this for a living, because I think the majority of you that listen to this podcast also fall into that category. You know, our good friend Brandon Smith, for example, he's been on the podcast here. We 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 joke around him on Twitter. Friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show. Our friend of the show, Brandon Smith, Dr. Brandon Smith of the Church Grammar Podcast. Uh, he, he had an episode of Church Grammar once where, like, him and I think it was Matt Emerson did, like, a uh, a fantasy draft of Church Fathers. And that was, like, a super fun, cool episode. And that almost inspired me to want to do an episode like the one that we're doing. Obviously not just copying them. That'd be silly. But to talk about the Church Fathers. And and so, personally, as somebody who is just a, a lay person, as somebody who's, you know, I'm not, I'm no longer in vocational ministry i'm not a youth pastor anymore i'm just a person and so i i as somebody who does i i do have some sort of formal christian education i I went to a bible college where i got a degree in biblical studies so even i am slightly maybe further than some of our listeners but i i think as somebody who was not exposed to the the fathers nearly as much as i would have liked to have been exposed this episode would have helped me back then back when i was dipping my feet into theology for the first time because 
personally. I remember when I approached even Reformation theology. I, I Growing up, I never had really heard. I mean, maybe I knew who Martin Luther was. Maybe I knew who Calvin was. But I didn't know much about their context, what they did, when they did it, why they did it. And so when I learned about the Reformation, I was like, man, this is so cool. This is so interesting. And I think that's where a lot of people are. A lot of people are very Reformational. They know a lot of, uh, a lot of information about our uh, Reformational heritage. But most people, I think, have a much harder time understanding our, our patristic heritage, understanding the, the early church fathers, uh, I guess, understanding the, just the, early, the context of the early church. And so when, when I started discovering some of these much earlier people, a couple of things that I found is, wow, many of the reformers were just following in the stream that had been laid by the apostles, uh, by the church fathers, and it carried on down to them. And so in some sense, we're doing the same. We're standing on the shoulders of those who have come before us, or we've used the metaphor again of that stream. You know, it has its source in Christ, and as it flows down, it, it, it flows through different areas and different regions and uh, different people. You know, it might branch out here or branch out there, but we're still following from the same fountainhead. And so what does it say to to be a, a lay person, a person who is just a, a churchgoer, uh, a person who is a part of the church but doesn't maybe know much of the history. I, I like coming to to an episode like this, and uh, I will say very small cab- caveat. Um, I, I've joked before that the ABCs of my theology are Augustine, Basil, and Calvin. Um, Calvin obviously isn't a, a church father, so I, I can't use him in in this conversation today. But if you were wanting to sort of understand like who I enjoy reading or. Um, some of the things I like to think about, uh, Augustine of Hippo, Basil the Great, and John Calvin are, are three people who I've read probably the most of like ancient writers. Um, but to, to approach today's episode, it's the AABs. Uh, so I've, I've mentioned here Augustine of Hippo, Athanasius, or what, Athanasius? How did Brandon say it? Remember when Brandon, <laughs> Brandon was on our podcast, he said there's some fanciful way to say Athanasius of Alexandria. And then Basil or Basil, the great of uh, the one of the Cappadocian fathers. So that that's more or less, I guess, how I approached this this conversation. So if, if you're going to be somebody who's wanting to to jump into the the patristics, into church fathers, wh- where do you begin? How do you begin? As I mentioned, Augustine, Athanasius, and Basil are are great places to start. Very accessible. Lots of their works have been translated into English. You have uh, pretty easy access to them. Something we talk a lot about on this podcast is the popular patristics series from St. Vladimir's Seminary Press. They have a great little uh, small, I mean, they're, they're usually pretty thin, short paperbacks that are just absolutely packed to the brim with great theological works by these old patristic writers. So, you know, think of St. Maximus the Confessor or I think, you know, St. Gregory and the other St. Gregory and um, I don't there's so many, some of them I've never even heard of. Like there's, there's some more obscure people as well. Uh, another place to go. I know there's a number of iterations of this. I have the one that Lexham Press did, uh, but the Apostolic Fathers, a, a new translation. We've given this book away. Uh, this, this is a great place to go. It's got, uh, some very, very early Christian writings. I mean, I'm just kind of thumbing through here to get to the table of contents, but we've got, uh, the first letter of Clement to the Corinthians, uh, there's Ignatius, uh, let's see, Polycarp, uh, 
the epistle of Barnabas, the, the shepherd of Hermas, like all these super early writers and, and thinkers and even people that were probably really close to the, the apostles themselves. And so these are great, very accessible, modern translations of these ancient works. And if, if you were somebody who is looking to get into those, these are great places to start. So that's what I had to say. We'll, we'll kick it over to you, Lucas. What do you got to share? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that, like, it's just not that hard, you know, thank God, you know, one benefit of, of the, you know, overall, maybe not that great <laughs> hyper, you know, technological advancements and stuff like that is that we have more access to, to information and knowledge, you know, not just not just data points, but like actual knowledge uh, than we ever have before. You know, you can you can log on to Amazon or St. Vladimir Seminary, you know, buy direct from them. Don't don't shop on Amazon, but you can log on and for for 20 bucks, you can get, you know, the Greek and modern English translation of On the Incarnation by St. Athanasius shipped to your door and you can read it, you know, like it's pretty it's insane to think about from from that perspective and the the upshot of all of that is that it's not really that hard to 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 get into it you know like like it's you don't need to learn an ancient language you don't need to go to you know college to be able to access this information um which is which is super cool because you could in theory if you're a pastor or or you know you're you're teaching a, a sunday school at your church or whatever like you could just keep a stack of like, you know, we'll take on the incarnation. You know, it's kind of a, there's a reason, you know, it's, it's kind of huge <laughs> in terms of its importance. Like, but you could, you could cheaply have a stack of paperback on the incarnation copies in English that you could just hand out to anyone who in your church was interested, which is like pretty outrageous <laughs> just in terms of the, the impact that is at least possible and at least open uh, for us to benefit from these works that that were written in a different time, in a different place, in a different language, but that does not mean that they are locked behind this, you know, very high bar of entry that requires all kinds of specialized knowledge because the people who have that specialized knowledge have done the work to make it accessible to the people who don't, <laughs> which is, you know, 99.9% of people in the world. <laughs> so let me let me let me ask you this. Maybe maybe this is even a good place where we could have started, but now is a good time to maybe ask this question. So if you're somebody who's heard about these people, you've heard about patristics, you've heard about church fathers and has maybe you've never really had much of an interest, why should you be interested? Like for that type of person, for somebody who uh, you know, obviously, we're also talking to people who are already interested and don't know where to go. But what about that person that really isn't all that interested? They've maybe only read modern works by modern authors and pastors and preachers who are living. Why would why would or should someone be interested in in reading these works? That's a great question. I didn't really think of that, but that's that's really good. I think I think that the biggest and number one reason that I would encourage anybody to be interested particularly like like if you're interested in theology like for for on the one hand like you don't need to be interested to be a good Christian or to be a Christian at all but but if you're someone who's interested in theology then you don't really have an excuse I think to not be to not be not that you need to you know like like I'm the kind of person who could spend the rest of my life just reading these texts as, as a job if if that was possible and would be happy 
But that has more to do with my own personality and interests. But the point is, if you're someone who has an interest in theology, you you don't really have an excuse to ignore these this section of the church's history. Because if you believe in the Trinity, if you believe in the Incarnation, if you read scripture, if you do any kind of theological thinking, you are, even if you're not aware of it, you're an heir to these ways of thinking, these categories, these thought patterns, vocabulary. Um, and, you know, hopefully you, you're, you're very close to the, the thought of these sources because I think that there's a reason, you know, these are the orthodox sources little o orthodox um but uh it, it, you know it it's like read like i'm trying to think of a, of a better example but like primary sources are always better than secondary sources so if you're if you're trying to uh stay up to date on the news right and there's a there's a press conference that the white house does and you want to know what was said to to evaluate if you think it's good or bad it you're you're better served by going online and listening to the press conference than listening to your friend tell you about the press conference and what was said or reading the summary in a, in a in a news article that was posted the day after or whatever so primary sources are always better than secondary sources if you're doing history you know if you're if you're interested in the history of the American Revolution secondary sources are great but if you never read, you know, the letters and the books and the pamphlets written by people like Thomas Paine or George Washington or John Adams or whatever, then like you're you're shooting yourself in the foot for no reason, you know. And especially, you know, the assumption here is that those primary sources are accessible to you, right? Like some primary sources aren't accessible to you if there's a language barrier or whatever, or it costs you know six hundred dollars to buy any copy of a book because it's it, you know, it's an ancient book that's not been reprinted. But to go back to what we said before, that's not the case anymore or currently for us living, you know, as English speakers living today. We, we have access to all these works. And if you're interested in theology, these are, these are the original sources of theology. Like you, one of, the, one of the books I wanted to highlight was the Apostolic Father's Collection. You know, there's, there's variety of, of translations of it. You can find them online for free because they're so old too. But like, those are like the early, like Shepherd of Hermas was written like probably I think you know mid to late second century you know Ignatius was living in the in the late uh, uh, late second century I think it was like we're talking about you know Polycarp was the disciple of John as in Saint John the evangelist <laughs> um, like we're talking about so early like if you just want a, a window into early like early early church you know we're talking like it's, it's, it's almost earlier than early church, right? Like uh, you, can, you can pick up a copy of the Apostolic Fathers and you have access to these, to these letters. These, these, some of them are letters, some of them are different. But like, you know, like we've talked about Ignatius's seven letters to the churches that he's writing um, on his way to be martyred um, in one of our, I, think, I can't remember if that was a Christian of history on Ignatius or if that was something else that we talked about him. But we talked about those letters. Those are in the Apostolic Fathers collection, right? And and that collection, and uh, not that, not the version by Lux and Press that we gave away, but a, a different. Uh, I think it was the Penguin Classics version. Um, um, was like my first foray into actually reading 
early church sources directly, you know, not just like quotes in class or, you know, like a page scanned out of a book or whatever, but like I sat down and read, you know, First Clement and I read the seven epistles of Ignatius and, and Polycarp's martyrdom and stuff. And it blew, it blew my mind, you know, like it's not like the heavens opened and I saw the light kind of moment, but like it was, it, it was, it was so good, you know, it was so engaging and it introduced me to a world that I didn't know existed at the time. And, you know, I, I probably would have gotten here th- eventually just through other things, but like my life looks totally different now in terms of my, the, the way that I think about things. And, and really it's, it's the, it's the theology of the early church that did that because these are our forebears. These are our fathers and mothers in the faith. These are, these are our ancestors and, and you know, our grandparents and great grandparents in the faith. And to me, like, it's just like, why would you not be interested? You know, assuming you have an interest in theology and, and whatnot, which is, you know, not everybody does and that's fine. But, <clears throat> excuse me, assuming you do, it's, it's great to read, you know, the current, the, the, the people who are currently doing interesting and important work theologically. You, you should, if you have, especially if you have an interest, uh, want to take the time to do that. And it's, you should be interested in people like Luther or Calvin or Zwingli that we, that, 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 that we have their works, you know, but like, or, you know, Thomas Aquinas and Anselm and, and we, we keep going back and it's like, why would you stop? Like, why would you stop a hundred years ago? Why would you stop 300 years ago? Why would you stop 500 years ago? Like, like, why would you stop ever, you know, in terms of, um, you don't need to stop at any certain point in history because we have access to all this information. And so Apostolic Fathers would be one of the specific books I would say to start with because it is so early. And then another one, you mentioned Augustine and, and Basil and um, Athanasius. Athanasius for me is is the go-to. Just read on the incarnation. You, you, you'll be surprised how readable it is in, in modern translation and, and how... Uh, simple it is to follow his argument in terms of the concepts that he's working with and stuff. And, uh, and then Cyril, St. Cyril of Alexandria. Um, I don't have a patron saint cause we don't do that, but, uh, he probably would be my patron saint if I did do that. Um, and, uh, his work on the unity of Christ is just, it's like, this is Orthodox Christology, you know, the, the, the foundations of it, that book. Um, both of those are, are available in popular patristic series from St. Vlad's, and you could also find older versions online. Um, uh, open domain, is that the... I think that's like the, the, the phrase. Speaking um, speaking of On the Incarnation, isn't there... Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the introduction, it's, it's written by C.S. Lewis, I believe, in yep. the St. Vladimir's version. Doesn't he have some little bit in there about how frequently to read old books as opposed to new yeah. books? I forget yeah. what it was. Do you remember what it was off the top of your head? I, I do. I'm, I'm I do because because reading that introduction the first time I read on the incarnation was also a really like pivotal moment for me in in the in like the shaping of my mind and the way I think. He has a part. I I've, I've always remembered that ever since I first read it a few years ago. But he has a part where he says, um, "You should always read older books. Like like you should you should read the old books, not the new books." He's like, "You could." You could pick up a book about Plato <laughs> and be just like totally confused and have no idea what anyone's talking about. And then, or you could just go pick up Plato and it's like, oh, this makes perfect sense, <laughs> which, you know, I don't know how true that is. I haven't read any Plato, but the, the, the thing he says is like, if you're going to read new books, like 
read one new book for every two or three old books. Mm. Or at the very least, switch back and forth. And every time you read a new book, read an old book. Um, and I just, I think that that's incredible insight and advice and, and wisdom in just in terms of like, um, for trying to learn and we're trying to grow and, 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 you know, whether it doesn't matter what, what subject we're talking about, but if we're talking about wanting to grow deeper in our knowledge and love of God and, and to do that through the theological disciplines, like read like read the real stuff you know you don't you don't you don't want to ignore and i'm not saying ignore the good books that are currently being written not every book being written is good but um there are really good books that are currently being written about subjects like the incarnation or whatever but why would you ignore the the foundational classic works that that set the stage for what any new any good new book is saying you know and and uh and then another thing i want to say too is is like they're accessible and they're 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 easy to read sure but you know especially if you grew up in a tradition that didn't engage in in theology in this way whether you know difference in doctrine or just didn't use these sources um there there's probably going to be questions that are that are it's it might be challenging to understand you know why so-and-so is talking about this or that specific thing in this way, right? Because there, there's a certain way of thinking that, you know, part of it's cultural and linguistic and, and the fact that we're so far removed from that context. But then also part of it, especially for, you know, the, the sort of, um, like, evangelical mind-type way of doing theology, there's, there's a, there are some differences just in terms of how Maybe how you talk about the sacraments or how you talk about, um, you know, uh, God's, you know, the, the persons of the Trinity and how they relate to each other. These things that are either like maybe talked about in a different way in, in our own experiences and, and, and circles or maybe just things that we don't think about. So it's kind of difficult to wrap our head around it. You know, like I, I had to read for a class, I had to read a, a, an excerpt from Augustine's On the Trinity and I, my brain almost melted out of my ears. Like, it, it just, it didn't make any sense to me. Like, I hated reading it because it was just so hard to understand. But not not every work by Augustine is like that. And not every father is like Augustine in terms of his, you know, intricacy and depth that he, and just the, you know. I Confession, uh, no pun intended, but I, I'm not a big fan of reading Augustine. Like, not not talking about whether I agree or disagree. I just, I, it seems like every time I read something, I'm just like, man, this is so annoyingly written and translated. I hate this <laughs> compared to other uh, other people. But that's that's more of a flaw in my own soul than than in Augustine's. But I mean, clearly, yeah, obviously. I mean, there's no like it. It sounds like a joke, but it's not. There's no doubt about that. It's definitely <laughs> more of a me thing. Um, but the point is like. That, even if you're like, okay, great, I don't have to learn Greek, but I still have no idea what these people are talking about. Like, yeah, but I mean, pick up the Apostolic Fathers and read Ignatius's letters, you know? Pick up on the Incarnation and read through it. And the Incarnation's a short book. It, it's it's really not long at all. Um, and you'll be surprised, you know? Like, like once you get rid of the language barrier and you're reading it in, in your language and translation, you'd be surprised at how... how um, 
without any sort of prior, you know, introduction, how, 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 uh, you know, it's not all super esoteric out there, complicated stuff, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. That was, I don't know. I don't know if that made sense, but that was another, another thing I wanted to hit on is like, kind of just jump in, like, because for one, you'll, you'll find your mind and your heart shaped by these works into a certain mode of, of thinking and a certain mode of doing theology that, you know, we've talked about this before. We're not going to argue here why we think this, but that, you know, we both think is, is the faithful and orthodox way to do it, which is Mm -hmm. why we're, we care to say, read these fathers or read the fathers. But, um, even before you, you sort of get, you know, get, get swimming in the stream of the patristic way of thinking. Um, it's not like jumping into like a white water, you know, rapids trying to swim upstream. Like it's not like that. Like maybe if you jump into chapter 12 of Augustine's on the Trinity, maybe it'll feel that way, but that's, that's a very specific book. (laughs) Yeah. If if you jump into, yeah. Yeah. If you jump into Augustine's confessions, it won't feel that way. If you jump into, uh, on the incarnation, it won't feel that way and so on and so forth. So I think that that, that's sort of like another like key thing I'd want to hammer is like, just like you can do it, you know, like you don't need to be a PhD in, in history or in theology to, to understand what's going on in these works, like by any stretch of the imagination. Well, perhaps the best way to, to, wrap up an episode like this would be to recommend a few books and i know a few have already come up in this conversation we've mentioned the apostolic fathers there's the lexham press there's penguin press um but what what are some other books you know we've, we i think you and i both mentioned three individual fathers so like if you're going to recommend a book by each one what three would you recommend from the people you name dropped so i, I think if, if i was going to name three specific works or texts it would be on the incarnation by athanasius it would be on the unity of christ by cyril and then if i had to pick one thing out of the apostolic fathers i would say the the um the letters of ignatius i think if i was gonna if you if you're gonna pick up you know the apostolic fathers and you just wanted to start with just one section i think that would be the section to start and i mean that's gonna be like 20 pages probably if that i don't even like like there's just not much in terms of um but um I do think that like my my go to is always going to be to to just say read on the incarnation. Yeah. Like regardless of anything of your interest, you know, in theology, what 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 area of theology you're interested in, what area of history you're like like regardless of all that, I think everyone should read through on the incarnation at least once. Um Agreed. so I think like if I was going to have a recommendation, it would be that. And I know I've said that on air before. I'm pretty um, sure so we gave away a, a copy once. But... Yeah. I'm almost right. positive after Brandon's episode, so. we sent out a copy of On the Incarnation. Maybe we'll do that again because it's such a good book. That's yeah. actually, I mean, because I also had Athanasius on my list, I think that would be the one I'd have to recommend as well. If I was going to recommend an Augustine book, I think I would recommend The Confessions. It's. I think I have a Penguin press of that. I actually have two copies. I don't know where I got the second one, but I've read the Penguin press one. and that's a. I actually think that's a good translation great to read um as far as basil goes we've had an entire episode on on social justice that's the only like collected work i've read of his um i have a couple others like on my wish list but that's a a great place to start to a lot of talk about um 
poverty and riches and wealth and how those relate to the Christian life. And, you know, I, I, I joked in the beginning about the quote unquote ABCs where I mentioned Calvin. I mean, I, I know a lot of people who have tried to read Calvin's Institutes. That's no place you'd want to start. That is a thick book. Uh, and that's a, it, obviously it's like a systematic theology and no, just like casual person should just like go open up a systematic theology necessarily. Like there are, are other books you could probably read for your, for good theological, uh, you know, edification. However, especially with someone like Calvin, what Calvin is doing in the institutes is he's working with scripture and the fathers. Like he's interacting with these people that we're talking about. So like you said earlier, Lucas, why would you go to Calvin when you can just go to Athanasius, when you can just go to Cyril, when you can just go to, you know, whoever he's referencing. Um, obviously, there's, I'm not saying don't go to Calvin. There's there's time and a place to use Calvin. It's, but like, if, yeah. if you're going to be a, a theological Christian. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. If you're going to be theological and, and wanting to read theology, do both. That way you can see the original and see what Calvin is saying with it. So that that's sort of where I'll, uh, I'll leave it. So if you want to wrap us up here. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to pray uh, another prayer from the Valley of Vision. Um, it's a colloquy on rejoicing. Remember, O my soul, it is thy duty and privilege to rejoice in God. He requires it of thee for all his favors of grace. Rejoice then in the giver and his goodness. Be happy in him, O my heart, and in nothing but God. For whatever a man trusts in, from that he expects happiness. He who is the ground of thy faith should be the substance of thy joy. Whence then comes heaviness and dejection, when joy is sown in thee, promised by the Father, bestowed by the Son, inwrought by the Holy Spirit, thine by grace, thy birthright in believing? Art thou seeking to rejoice in thyself from an evil motive of pride and self-reputation? Thou hast nothing of thine own but sin, nothing to move God to be gracious or to continue his grace towards thee. If thou forget this, thou wilt lose thy joy. Art thou grieving under a sense of indwelling sin? Let godly sorrow work repentance as the true spirit which the Lord blesses and which creates fullest joy. Sorrow for self opens rejoicing in God. Self-loathing draws down divine delights. Hast thou sought joys in some creature comfort? Look not below God for happiness. Fall not asleep in Delilah's lap. Let God be all in all to thee and joy in the fountain that is always full. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Doxology Podcast. I don't know how close you pay attention to the episode numbers, but we're quickly approaching 200. Uh, we have some exciting stuff coming up, so make sure you stick around. If you'd like to connect with us, hit us up on Twitter uh, at Doxology Podcast. You're welcome to send us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Please send us your feedback, questions, episode ideas. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, stay safe. Peace. <laughs>